1: Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the special edition of Rotoviz Radio. We're getting rolling with our RV32 team preview series. This is Stéphane Lacoe, and you can follow me on Twitter at Stéphane Lacoe. You're listening to the 49ers episode of the 2018 team preview series, and today, our guest is Grant Cohn. He's an online columnist for the Santa Rosa Press Democrat, and he can be found on Twitter at Grant Cohn. He has been covering the Niners as a beat reporter since 2011. And in this episode, he talks about what to expect from a full season of Jimmy Garoppolo. Will he be the guy we saw last year throwing for almost 300 yards a game? Or will there be some regression as teams have figured out a little bit more of his game after watching some tape on him? Next, we'll dive into the running back's position, specifically looking at Jarek McKinnon and what kind of workload we can expect from him this year. And if he isn't a bell cow, will it be Matt Breida or Joe Williams, who have both flashed in camp, that take those carries from him? Or is it some sort of three-headed monster that we need to avoid for fantasy purposes? Finally, we look at the receiving weapons and try to decipher what this passing game will look like. Marquise Goodwin was a favorite target last year with Jimmy Garoppolo, but now Pierre Garçon is healthy And they've got two new rookie wide receivers in there that will be looking for targets too in Dante Pettis and Richie James possibly. And we can't forget about second year tight end, George Kittle. After the interview, I'll take a little bit of time to dissect the San Francisco 49ers skill positions and to see what we can project from them going forward using the Rotoviz projection machine. So stick around for that as well. As you know, the NFL season is quickly approaching and it's that time of year where you need to get ready for it with a subscription to Rotoviz NFL Pass, which you can get right now for 30% off. This discount is for listeners of the podcast only, and is available through the NFL podcast homepage at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and best of all, it supports the pod. Again, be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL Pass at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. And now, let's bring on our guest. I want everyone to welcome Grant Cohn to the show. He's been an online columnist for the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. He's been a beat reporter since 2011 following the 49ers. Grant, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for
3: having me, Stefan.
1: So before we get started, I, I feel like it's, you know, there's this awkwardness that we need to address right away. About a month ago, you, you wrote an article addressing the stiff competition that Jimmy Garoppolo might be facing. Did that have anything to do with his, uh, his dating life that we heard about last, last week?
3: <laughs> Everyone seems to be giggling about that.
2: That I know, was right? The
3: strangest, most bizarre story I've ever seen, and uh, just interviewing him afterward, the, the look on his face—he looked like he was genuinely um, embarrassed that oh. it became such a big story. I have a feeling that if he continues to date porn stars, and you know, uh, by all means, that's <laughs> up to him. I don't think we're going to hear about it anymore. I feel like right, uh, he's going right. to get some type of a non-disclosure agreement next time.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. all joking aside, it's been a really interesting offseason for the 49ers. Um, a lot of reason for optimism, a lot of excitement. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo who's going to be starting now for 16 games, hopefully. You've got Shanahan in his second year. You brought in some, some new running backs to replace Hyde. You've got some rookie wide receivers that are exciting. What are realistic expectations for the 49ers going into this year? Yeah,
3: I think most people... Around the team are either predicting nine and seven or ten and six i'm going with nine and seven uh, to me they have added a lot of pieces to the offense on the offensive line running back but I think the defense is still totally
1: incomplete but that's still that's still a pretty pretty high hopes for this year you're you're still expecting to see a, a jump in the win total so that's 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 encouraging now um in march you uh you wrote an article um where you mentioned that you, you thought the 49ers kind of panicked and botched some of their free agent signings. Do you think that they uh, addressed their I minority mean, said on defense? They still have a lot of holes. Were you, were you expecting or hoping them to do a lot more than they did?
3: Well, I mean, I think what happened, the one I was mainly referring to was Andrew Norwell. I think it was pretty clear that they were going after him. They had all the cap space in the world, and they signed Daniel Kilgore, their center. They gave him a contract, and then – I believe they, they made a run after Andrew Norwell. He got extremely expensive. They basically, you know, folded that pot. Didn't decide to go all in on Norwell. Um, and their second choice was Weston Richburg. That that negotiation got ex, uh, expensive too. They ended up spending too much money on their second choice, which is what you don't want to do. That's why I thought it right. was a panic, a panic move. Yeah. And instead of getting the All Pro guard, you have a very good. Um, so, well, not very good, a solid center who you're trying to sell as the next Alex Mack, and he's not. So that's why, how I looked at that. Um, they didn't really target any pass rushers in free agency. They wanted to get to leave, and to leave was just flat out not interested in coming to the 49ers. Uh, and, you know, rightfully so. He's an older cornerback. He should go to a team that's ready to compete right now, and that's the Rams. The Niners are more like a year away, in my opinion, and I guess in to right. leave's opinion, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know you've also been fairly vocal about the idea of um, that that the 49ers should have looked into trading away Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe signing <laughs> Cousins, and, and and really using that as an opportunity to to, to build uh, for now and the future. But that didn't happen, as you and I both know. So, so what do you think people should expect from Jimmy Garoppolo in his first full season as a starter? Do you think we'll see him just continue where he left off, where he was throwing for 297 yards a game, and moving the football, and really transform the offense from what was kind of bottom of the league to like a really impressive one. Or do you think Jalen Ramsey is right and defenses are going to figure him out and there's going to be some regression to his game?
3: Oh, I think there's definitely going to be some regression to his game and that's nothing against him. I mean, I think that's just life and that's the pattern in all sports. I mean, I I was, I wrote an article about this a few months ago, but you look at like Willie McCovey from the sixties. He came up the last half of the season, this mask, had like the best, hit like 340, was, was terrific. The next year, pitchers had a book on him, and he it took him 10 years through, uh, in, throughout the league to come back and match the production he had that, that rookie year. I mean, it's tough. So right. he caught a lot of people by surprise. They didn't know what to expect from him in this offense. Now defenses have very specific cut-ups of what he does. They're going to have much more specific game plans of how to target his perceived weaknesses, and he's going to have to adjust to that. I mean, that's how, that's how baseball works. That's how football works. You adjust to the other, to the opponent's adjustments. And the ones who can do that long-term are the ones who are good quarterbacks. That's why you can't really say anything about Jimmy Garoppolo right now. All we see is a skill set. But as we know, there's so much more to being a quarterback than just your skill set. I mean, if it was just a right. skill set, Jeff George would have been good. You know, Matt yeah, Stafford yeah. would have more success. There's so much more, and we'll learn. But he's going to have, a, it's going to be much more talented for him. And that's that's just life in the NFL.
1: So do you expect him Do you expect him to still be able to be successful? I mean, he used nine wins, so still, still moving the football somewhat.
3: I expect his completion percentage to go down. I don't expect that he's going to throw for 297 yards a game. I expect last year his, his interception to t- touchdown ratio, uh, TD to INT ratio was That's 7 to 5. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think yeah. he's not I, – I, he could be high 80s, low 90s in the – quarterback rating that's what I would expect
1: um okay yeah yeah. I think that's pretty fair right great well let's let's move over to the running back position because I know there's a lot of question about that specifically um around Jarek McKinnon I mean his last two years um, last year he had 150 rushes the year before that he had 159 what do you think the 49ers are hoping to get out of him production wise
3: yeah that's a fantastic question um I'm going to answer it a different way. Yeah, you asked about running. You asked about running. I'm going to get to that. But look, I'm going to focus on receiving.
1: Okay, uh, yeah.
3: Because last year, Carlos Hyde was their number one running back. And I'm looking at his numbers. He got 88 targets last year.
1: Right. That yeah.
3: was second on the team to Marquis Goodwin. So you know that Kyle Shanahan likes throwing to running backs. Carlos Hyde got 88 targets. Jerick McKinnon is probably going to get 88 targets or 90. And the thing with Carlos Hyde was he wasn't even a particularly good receiver. He only caught 67% of the balls thrown to him. McKinnon's going to catch like 75%, 80% because he's an excellent receiver. He could catch 70 80 passes.
1: Well, That's yeah. going to
3: be his value. That's why they spent all that money because he really, he's really going to be a featured receiver in their offense. As far as how he goes as a running back, I don't see it. Like, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy you want to give the ball more than 10, 10, 12 times a game because then you're going to wear him down and get him hurt. He's small. I think the whole thing is they can actually go running back by committee because Breida's like the same size and Joe Williams is similar and Raheem Mostert is similar and, and save McKinnon for what he does as a receiver,
1: which is yeah. the
3: most valuable aspect of his game.
1: Yeah, and I was listening to you talk the other day where you mentioned that you thought Matt Breida might be the best yeah pure running back in this group. Yeah,
3: Alex, I mean, to me, he is the hardest runner. McKinnon is very smooth he's very nimble and fast but he, all of his movements to me are wide receiver movements and he mm-hmm. can he can function as a running back but his his yards per carry have been very low the last two years he doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy who runs hard into the defense and Breida really does Breida is courageous he reminds me of a little Maurice Jones drew as a runner I really think he's gonna sh- I mean he averaged like 4.6 yards a carry last year uh, he was fantastic on first down. I think he will show early in the season that if uh, if Kyle Shanahan wants to run the ball on first and ten, by far the best option is giving it to Breda.
1: Wow, that's a bit of a hot take there. I like it though. Um, so, do you think if you're looking at like after the, after a typical game, what do you think the carry? How, the, how do you think the carry splits will well, be? it'll do you evolve.
3: Think... It'll evolve. I think like week one, McKinnon will get the benefit of the doubt and he'll get the the, the, the bulk of the workload. I think he'll probably get 12 carries, five catches. So he'll be in like the 17-touch range. Uh, Breeda will probably start off with 10 carries. He'll be the number two guy. And then as Breda averages 4.7 yards per carry. It'll be hard to keep him out. (laughs) 3.8, exactly. So things will evolve. But that's how I think it'll be. And then by the end of the season, it'll probably, if Breida's really playing well, he could be into the 14 to 15 carry a game range. And McKinnon could be much more of a uh, change of pace back and a featured receiver.
1: And do you think Joe Williams will play a role in any of this or or not really? If
3: someone gets hurt, I think basically Brita took the play away from him last year. And now they're kind of going to, I think they're going to stash Williams in case one of these guys gets hurt. And you know what? Running backs get hurt and these guys are very small. So Joe Williams probably will get his uh, opportunity eventually.
1: Right. Now, Now looking over at the receiving options, I think this is one of the really interesting parts of this team because we saw what Jimmy did with. Marquise Goodwin last year, but that was with Pierre Garcon out, and that was before they drafted these two new young rookie wide receivers that have made a little bit of splash in camp. So my question to you would be: Do you still think that uh, Goodwin will be Jimmy's main target, or now that Pierre Garcon is there, you mentioned Jimmy liking to throw over the middle and uh, underneath hmm. a place where Pierre Garcon can really shine, especially now that he's not you know running as fast as. <laughs> Especially not as fast as right, Goodwin, right. But, but no one is. Um, right. So, how do you see that kind yeah. of shaking out? Do you think, um, do you think Goodwin will still be the main target guy, or do you think Pierre Garcon could, once he's established and has built up a rapport with Jimmy, do you think he could be a beneficiary of some more targets? Yeah, that's a tough
3: one. That's a tough one to to prognosticate. I mean, I've been watching. I've been watching them every practice together. They hadn't. Jimmy hadn't even looked his way until yesterday. They You're talking about Pierre Garcon. Yeah, they hadn't even. Looked his way or thrown him a ball. He threw him three yesterday. Completed two short ones, missed deep, and the deep one was interesting because it was Garcon running deep against Sherman. He had a step on him, and it was one of these where it's like if you if the if you feel you have him beat, you run deep, and if you feel the cornerback has has a step on you, you break it back into a back shoulder fade. So Garcon felt he had him. Uh, Garoppolo threw the back shoulder fade, and it was incomplete and. It was interesting. They really don't have chemistry yet. They haven't played right. together. I'm a little skeptical on Garcon. If I were a fantasy football player and I was thinking to invest in him, I mean, he got hurt last year. He, he got a fracture in his neck. He's a very physical player. He's going to throw his body around again. He's 32. He's going to be 32 in August. Uh, he's slow. I mean, he he has trouble against Richard Sherman coming off an Achilles injury. Right. Uh, I, I I don't know about him. I mean, especially Garoppolo likes to spread the ball around. He has fantastic chemistry with Trent Taylor in particular. That's the guy uh, he likes to throw to. And, and George Kittle, I don't know. I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be comfortable. I wouldn't be confident that Garson's going to stay healthy. Right. He's, I don't know. I wouldn't, it's, it's, it's hard for me to guess how they're going to link up when they've only linked up twice in training camp. You know, yeah. that's a, that's a big leap to take, but all I can say is he's getting old. He's, slow and durability's is an issue. I'd be scared to invest in him, especially when the Niners have all these other targets. When you when you have to calculate that, McKinnon's going to get a lot of throws. Uh, Garoppolo already has great chemistry with Goodwin, already has chemistry with Trent Taylor and Kittle. I don't really see how Garcon fits in. I mean, they'll 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 find a way for a, a use for him, but his targets could be down this year, especially with his age.
1: Yeah, and like you said, they've got a lot of weapons in that receiving core. And a lot of the places where Jimmy Garoppolo might feel comfortable, he can find those other guys like a Trent Taylor or a George Kittle or even one of these these young rookies like a Pettis or a James. Who knows? Um, Yeah,
3: I mean, I'm I'm not sure if Garcon can really consistently win on the outside anymore. And I'm not even sure if Garoppolo wants to throw to the outside. He's so comfortable throwing over the middle, and he has a lot of uh, options that can win over the middle. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, I think my favorite video from training camp was watching Marquise Goodwin just embarrass Richard Sherman and run right past him and catch that long that long, deep pass down the sideline. Um, I'm, ex- I'm excited yeah, for Goodwin this painful. year.
3: Yeah, that was pretty that, that was, that, it was, it was. It's fun to watch uh, Marquise Goodwin run. It's fun to watch any Olympic sprinter run.
4: Right. But the thing <laughs> with,
3: with Richard Sherman in that, which I thought was painful, was not comparing him to Goodwin because everyone looks so prepared to Goodwin, but just watch Richard Sherman. I mean... How hard he's pumping his arms, how hard he's trying to run, and how his body just isn't really responding. I mean, he has a lot of time, but to get it back, but he he can improve his conditioning, he can improve his cardiovascular uh, endurance. But once you lose your speed, it's not coming back. It right. doesn't really work that way. And they tried to talk that way last year about Navarro Bowman. He was he was slow like that last year, and the Niners were like, well, maybe if we just give him a little time off, his legs will come back. Like. Nah, it's, it's not coming back. It doesn't work that way. And there's no shame in it if Richard Sherman can't come back from this because it's a serious, serious I- injury. It ruined Kobe Bryant's career. ruins everyone's career. It's, it's brutal. So it was tough to see. I hated watching him run like that.
1: Yeah, it just seemed a little bit unfair going up against a guy like Marquise. But I've got
3: one yeah, final... Yeah, that's another thing. Like, what, one more thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, no, no, why no. would Go. the 49ers even, even let that happen? I mean, everything in practice is... is, is uh, Scripted. Why would you script that? The only thing I can think of is that Richard Sherman wanted it. He, he's a very competitive person. And said, "I want to go right. on. I want on one again, a good one." And they said, "Fine, go ahead." I don't Enjoy. know. Yeah. If I were the coach, I would have said, "No way."
1: Yeah. Exactly. Not in front
3: of the media, because now that has a million views on on Twitter. Like, no way. No. Yeah.
1: Way. Yeah. I'm sure, sure. I'm sure Sherman will be uh, will be pretty upset about it. I'm sure he'll he'll get in some yep. uh, someone's face in the next couple of days. Uh, but one one final question for you. Um, just talking about the the rookie wide receivers. What what do you think people should expect from Pettis and Richie James? Richie James has been popping up on my Twitter feed a ton the last couple mm. of days, and uh, yeah, I'm just curious from you, someone who's watching the team, been around the team. Uh, what do you expect from yeah. these two rookie ro- receivers?
3: I don't expect anything from Richie James this year. He he looks like he's 11 years old. No offense, Richie James. He just uh, he he doesn't. He's very small and he doesn't have an NFL body. He does have. Uh, heart. He has courage, he has hands. I mean, he's tough. He, he's really good, but they're just not going to put him on a field, an NFL field this year, I don't think. It, he looks like he would get hurt. But they could put him on a practice squad. They can put him on IR. They can figure out a way to stash him for a year and then you'll probably see him next year. As far as pettis goes, he's going to be their punt returner right away, so you'll see him and I think you'll probably see him run specific little gadget plays as, like, mm-hmm. a fourth or fifth or sixth wide receiver, like, end rounds. He even threw passes at Washington. I don't know if, how deeply you know about this Dante Pettis guy, but he does kind of weird things. He's kind of I like, was living
1: in Seattle last year, so I, I know him. I like him a lot.
3: Yeah. <laughs> he, he kind of runs kind of strange little gadget plays. He's also He also runs routes, but, you know, he would throw passes and stuff like that. So I think that they can use him in that way. And then what Pierre Garçon was saying yesterday is later in the season – when he's a little bit more comfortable with this huge playbook of Kyle Shanahan and maybe a little stronger and a little bit more acclimated to the NFL. And like once someone gets hurt or something like that, he gets an opportunity. I would imagine by the last four games of the year, he'd be getting targets like Kendrick Bourne did last year. Right. So not right away, but eventually. Yeah. And then year two, obviously he's probably, I mean, they're highly invested in him. Shanahan likes him year two. I would imagine he'll be somewhere. He'll probably be starting and Garcon will probably be gone.
1: Well, Grant, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Really appreciate you. Everyone go follow Grant on Twitter at Grant Cohn. He does awesome videos of what he, what he observed at Niners Camp and check out his writing as well. Grant, thank you so much for joining us today.
4: All right.
3: I hope I was somewhat helpful. Thank you so much, David. Yeah,
1: absolutely, man. That was Grant Cohn from the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. Thank him again so much for coming on the show and giving us some interesting information to process here as we look towards our fantasy football season. I want to start with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, this quarterback is one of the more controversial figures going into this season because we really don't know what to expect. If you look at the shift in production that took place for the 49ers offense before Jimmy and after Jimmy, it is stark. So as we know, Jimmy Garoppolo came in the very last drive of the Seattle Seahawks game. And then he started the next five games from weeks 13 through 17. And in those games, the offense produced the third most yards per game at 410. And Jimmy Garoppolo himself passed for the third most 297 yards per game in those matches. Now, his passer rating was very high of 94. His total QBR was first at 80, and the offense was clicking on all cylinders. They won all those games and looked really, really good. But what does that mean for 2018? Well, for a lot of analysts, they project more of the same. They expect him to have this continued success, and with the increased weapons around him, they think Jimmy Garoppolo could have a huge ceiling. Now, that might be true, but I'm not sure I'm willing to make the bet on it. Fantasy Pros has Jimmy Garoppolo ranked the ninth quarterback, going ahead of guys like Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, Matthew Stafford, and I just don't know if I'm ready to make that call. There's a lot of questions. As Grant suggested, he thinks that there's a pretty decent likelihood that his completion percentage will fall and his yards per game will go down as well. Grant also mentioned Jimmy's interception to touchdown ratio and how it wasn't very good and how he threw a lot of interceptions in not that much time. 49ers also struggled once they got into the red zone scoring touchdowns during those games through the air. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo this year, and I think it's just a little too rich for my blood. So I'll let somebody else take the gamble on him, and I'd rather go with someone safer. I'll probably target guys like Matthew Stafford and Ben Roethlisberger, right around that same part of the draft. And while I might miss out on that huge upside that Jimmy Garoppolo does have... I'll feel a little bit safer knowing I've got someone who's done it before, even if it's not quite what Jimmy might be able to produce. Let's transition over to the running backs and see what we can expect from that position from the 49ers based on what Grant told us a few minutes ago. Now, he fully expects McKinnon to have a pretty big role in this offense, specifically in the passing game. And I totally agree with him. McKinnon has shown this skill set before. He is coming off... Seasons with 43 and 51 receptions in limited work. We all know he didn't play every down or every game when he was in Minnesota. He was more featured after last year's Calvin Cook injury. So what can we project going forward? Well, Grant seems to think that at least starting off the year, McKinnon will be getting, you know, 10 to 12 carries a game, but has the upside of 80 receptions. Well, I went ahead and put some of these numbers into the projection machine over at Rotoviz and looked at what we can expect from McKinnon for the year. Now, for argument's sake, I'm going to assume for now that McKinnon's role does not change throughout the year, even though Grant suggested that it might with Matt Breida coming on later in the year. But to start the year, if McKinnon gets 178 carries for 702 yards and 5 touchdowns, which is what I have him projected for, which is right from that 10-12 to carries a game, and then also has 72 receptions for about 593 yards and three touchdowns, this would give him 177.5 points in standard and 249 and half points in PPR. That's good for 10th in standard and 8th in PPR if you look at last year's scoring. So McKinnon, who's right around running back 13 right now, going in the second or third round, has the potential to give you running back one numbers. And I think that's very much in the realm of possibilities but you are also paying for that on draft day. And if you compare that to where Matt Breida is going, you can see that Breida offers you a lot of value. Now, I'm not suggesting that McKinnon isn't worth being drafted in the second or third round. His potential certainly would suggest that he should be going right around there. But I'd like to make the case for Matt Breida as a late round running back option, not even just as a handcuff, but someone who can provide you fantasy value on a weekly basis. Now, as we've mentioned, McKinnon's previous two seasons, he saw 159 and 150 carries respectively, but he only averaged 3.59 yards per carry in those, and he only found the end zone five times as a rusher. Now, we expect that role for McKinnon to expand, but Shanahan has shown that he likes to use a running back by committee approach, and he did this in Atlanta, where both Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman were featured in that offense. And Coleman saw just just about a third of the total rushing touches there. And with McKinnon never having been a featured back, it's very possible that Breida sees a lot of these types of touches. So this could result in increased workload for Breida, especially if the 49ers are more positive game strips than they were in 2017 and they're able to run the ball a lot. Even without injuries, Breida could have a relevant workload in this offense. And if McKinnon would miss time, while Breida won't be suited for every down work, he will see an increased workload. So I think... Breida is a guy you should target late in drafts. The projection machine spit out some interesting numbers for Breida, looking at 126 carries for 561 yards and 26 receptions for a little over 208 yards with five total touchdowns. Now that's nothing that's going to make your fantasy season, but it's definitely someone who can help you as a bi-week fill-in. And should something happen to McKinnon, this value could really skyrocket. He's currently going in the very back end of drafts around the 15th or 16th round. And I'm willing to take him earlier than that. I'd be willing to take him in the 13th round. So to recap, I like Breda late. I like McKinnon early. I don't think I've got McKinnon in the first or second round, but if he's still sitting there in round three, he's definitely a running back I'm willing to grab. My only hesitation with him is what Grant told us. As the year goes on, we might see that workload decrease just a little bit. Now let's talk about my favorite position on this 49ers team where I think there's a lot of interest. And that's with the wide receivers. Now, Grant talked a lot about Pierre Garçon and how he's lost a step coming back from injury. There's a lot of questions there and a little bit of uncertainty as to what his role will be in this offense where Jimmy Garoppolo has shown he likes to throw to guys like Trent Taylor and George Kittle over the middle. And then, of course, there's my boy, Marquise Goodwin, flying down the sidelines making incredible plays. I want to take a few minutes to look at Keith Goodwin because he is just such a fun guy. He's probably one of my favorite players coming into this year. And I know he's a breakout candidate for a lot of people. As many of you know, Marquise Goodwin is just a phenomenal athlete. He competed in the Olympics not long ago and has shown some real flashes, especially last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. I just want to take a little bit of time to go over some of these numbers with you, because when you look at Marquise Goodwin's overall numbers for the year, they don't look that impressive. They show a low target share of 17.5% and a relatively low catch rate at 53.3%. But if you look past those numbers and you just kind of dive into what he did with Jimmy Garoppolo, as opposed to what the 49ers had at quarterback before then, you can see some huge shifts in the numbers. So in games with Jimmy Garoppolo, Marquise Goodwin was targeted 26.2% of the time. That doesn't include the second half of the Rams game where he was injured. So in the four and a half games with Jimmy, Marquise Goodwin saw a 26.2 target share, which is insanely high. Those types of numbers almost automatically put you in that wide receiver one category. He was able to haul in 67.4% of those and averaged 8.47 yards per target. So I'm going to go ahead and put these numbers in the projection machine to get an idea of what we could expect. Now, I've downgraded some of those numbers a little bit because of what Grant said regarding the number of attempts and completion percentage might decrease for Jimmy Garoppolo, as well as the fact that there's new receiving weapons on the team in Pettis and Richie James. So I went ahead and assumed a 21% target share for Marquise Goodwin. This would put him at 119 targets, which would lead to 80 receptions for 1,008 yards and about six touchdowns. Now those numbers would have been good enough to be ranked 18th in both standard and PPR scoring last season. And even if he doesn't produce at that level, he's still going to do better than wide receiver 42, which is where he's currently ranked and being drafted in the 8th, 9th, and 10th rounds. So I recommend you grab him earlier. Grab him in the 7th round, around wide receiver 30-35, to 35, ahead of guys like Pierre Gasson and Devin Funchess. Pierre Garçon's a guy that I'm fading completely, and he won't be on any of my teams this year. Grant scared me off of him with the injury concerns and telling me about how he's lost a step and has not yet developed a rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, some of that can change, but he won't be on my team. I'll let somebody else figure that out. As far as George Kill goes, I think we can expect a low-end, tight-end one production from him or a high-end, tight-end number two. He's not a guy I'm going to be breaking the bank to try to get on my squads. But as Grant told us, there will be opportunity for him to pick up some of those receptions in the middle of the field as Jimmy Garoppolo looks for those easy completions underneath. And Kittle didn't light the world on fire within those five games with Jimmy Garoppolo. But he did have 15 catches on 19 targets and showed that he could get open and do something with the football once he got it. So there definitely is some room for growth there. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I want to thank Grant Cohn for being on today. Again, give him a follow at Grant Cohn on Twitter. Check him out. He's got a lot of great stuff. My name is Stéphane LeCoe. You can find me at Stéphane LeCoe on Twitter. We can have a good chat about all this stuff there. Thanks again. I hope you guys have a great day. Check out our other episodes in our RV32 series. We've got about eight of them for you. And of course, as the season gets closer, we keep bringing new ones out. Thanks again, guys. Have a great day. Talk to you next time. Thank you again for listening to the 2018 Team Preview Series. Our assistant executive producer is Colin Kelly and our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the RotoViz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Radio. And remember, you can always support the podcast by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the RotoViz Radio homepage. You can find that at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.
4: Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
2: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn.